You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by my free guide on five ways to better serve students with exceptional learning needs. It can be hard to try to best serve your students with exceptional needs in the music classroom, but it doesn't have to be. There are some simple steps that you can take to help your students while also taking some of the stress off of your shoulders. In this free PDF guide, I'll share five of my top tips for better serving those students that might have exceptional learning needs in your classroom. To claim your free PDF copy, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash exceptional learners. This week, we have our first ever repeat guest on the podcast. I'm super excited for you to listen in on this interview with Catherine Miller about the journey that she took to become a music educator. Catherine Miller proudly teaches kindergarten through fifth grade music in Waukesha, Wisconsin, as well as serving as a model tech classroom for her district. In 2018, she was recognized as a WPT education innovator by Wisconsin Public Television Education. She holds a Bachelor of Music and Education from Otterbein University in Westerville, Ohio, as well as a Master's of Educational Leadership from Antioch McGregor Midwest in Yellow Springs, Ohio. The training she received gave her a firm foundation in leading a Kodai-inspired classroom. She also loves to incorporate technology as another tool students can use to be their most musical selves. In her free time, you can find Catherine with a good book, a great travel companion, or her chocolate lab. Without further ado, here is my interview with Catherine Miller about her journey and how she became an elementary music educator. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Music Podcast. I am super excited um, for our Music in Our School Month series. We're going to be talking with Catherine Miller all about her music teacher journey. So, Catherine, thank you so much for being the first ever two-time guest on the podcast. Whoa, I didn't know I had such an honor. (laughs) I know. I'm super excited. So, Catherine, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, where did you go to school and what do you teach and where are you in the world? Absolutely. So um, currently I am in the Milwaukee area of Wisconsin, but I am not originally from here. Um, I am originally from the Cleveland area and um, went to high school there and then got my undergraduate degree in music education at Otterbein, which is in Westerville, Ohio. So um, one of the reasons I chose that program is uniquely they... um, certify you for general, instrumental, and choral music. And at the time, they promised to do it within four years. Um, So that was enticing to me. So that's where I did my undergraduate work. And um, once I graduated, I was lucky enough to get a job in um, Wilmington, Ohio, where I taught for four years. Um, I don't know if this is still true of Ohio, but at the time, you only got two four-year teaching licenses without a master's degree. So in those four years I spent in Wilmington, I also got my master's degree um, at Antioch McGregor, which is in Yellow Springs. Um, It's probably best well known for Horace Mann, who's kind of the, uh, you know, maybe father or of education. You hear a lot of 
about him in early education courses, but that was a school that he um, created there. So um, once I did my four years there, I am really kind of a city girl. So I was looking to find some city work and that's kind of how I, I wound up in Wisconsin. How exciting. Yeah. So Otterbein is not far at all from where I currently live or where I went to undergrad. So that's definitely very familiar with Otterbein. I know we have those, those weird connections kind of in our life because, um, I also spent a lot of that under, undergraduate time working for Blue Lake Fine Arts Camp in Michigan. Yes. Yep. So exciting. And I, I went, oh goodness, three or four summers and I ended up going to Europe with them. Oh, it was wonderful. Wonderful place. If you've ever had the opportunity to experience Blue Lake, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. I never got a chance to go there as a camper. I was not even aware it was a thing, but I um, started working for them in college and then uh, continued to travel. Even after I moved to Wisconsin, I went on an international tour with them. I bet that was incredibly rewarding, especially on the you know the counselor side and especially being able to travel with them. Absolutely. And this is, um, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with teaching for me. Tra- what was interesting to it, um, originally was the travel. Um, travel is something else I really enjoy and being able to do those two things, working with students, um, traveling, singing myself was just kind of the perfect, the perfect job. Awesome. Well, that kind of segues nicely. So other than teaching, what's something that really, you know, gets you going? What's something that you're really passionate about? Absolutely. So travel is that for me, I've spent a lot of, well, you know, pre-COVID times, I spent a lot of time (laughs) traveling around. And um, obviously, family is part of that as well. Being that I still live about eight hours from my family, um, we meet a lot of different places and do a lot of different things. So those are the things that bring me joy when I'm not in my classroom. I love it. So you talked a little bit about your degree from Otterbein and then your master's degree after that. So what really led you to wanting to pursue a degree in music and specifically music education? So if you would talk to my mom, she would probably tell you that I was always meant to be a music teacher. Um, When I went to Otterbein, um, I was in a sorority and one of the things they did kind of as your senior kind of special event things was parents would send in a picture. And my mom sent in this picture of me singing to all of my stuffed animals that were lined up on the steps that I had made into like a little choir. Um, so she would tell you that's, that's what I was always meant to do. I've been practicing since I was little. Um, But really, for me, it was my middle school choir director who I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. She, um, she was electric in front of kids. She, um, I still don't know how she did it. She did such a variety of repertoire from um, state contest songs to Broadway, pop music. And she always had so many opportunities for us to be involved. She ran a ton of chamber groups, obviously the large group of like a million middle schoolers at a time, and then musicals. Um, She just kind of did it all. And that's where my interest sparked. Um, I had not taken any lessons or a piano voice, anything up until that point. I um, when I made the decision that that was something I was interested in doing, I started that in high school. So I was a, a late starter at piano, and uh, luckily my family was able to give me the opportunity to 
play a little bit of catch up with some private lessons. That's awesome. So I don't know if you know this, but I didn't start the piano until undergrad and it was the worst decision of my life. I (laughs) kicked myself so much for dropping out of piano lessons when I was like four years old. Like, Yeah. I mean, that's so much easier. Yes. If I could go back, I wish I would have more experience. That piano proficiency like gave me nightmares for years. (laughs) You and me both. I'm still recovering from mine. Yes. (laughs) So I know you talked a little bit about your middle school teacher being so important to you and so pivotal in, you know, what brought you to be a music teacher. But did you always know that you were to teach at the level that you're teaching now? Or did you think that you might have been at a secondary level? Oh, no. When I went into school, I wanted to be a show choir director. Like, that's what I loved and spent a lot of time doing in my high school years. Um, I that's what I had in mind. Um, Then I realized how much you had to play the piano. So that was number one. (laughs) (laughs) Number two was um, Otterbein was fantastic. And another reason why I chose that program was they were excellent at getting undergraduate students into the schools as soon as possible. And we had tons of experiences throughout multiple grade levels. They were really careful also to make sure that you tried urban settings and more suburban settings. And so in one of my placements, I got placed in an arts magnet school in Columbus City Schools in Ohio. And that is when I fell in love with elementary music. And from that point on, I believe that was my sophomore year, my complete view shifted of what I was working towards. I love how many music teachers I talk to and they have similar things where they didn't, they had no idea or no intention of ever wanting to teach elementary school. Like me, myself, like I, my plan was to be the next great high school choir director. Um, and then I thankfully had the opportunity, like you were talking about where I was able to do some field work and, and observe some classes and kind of get my feet wet and realize that elementary was where I belonged. Um, and I just think it's so interesting how many people in a profession fell in love with elementary school, even when that wasn't what they had intended. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things to love about the elementary building, but I think that like when I think back to my own education, I don't even really remember elementary music. So that's kind of one of the things I work towards now is, is, is making it a little bit more memorable for kids and giving them experiences to build off of um, so that they can find something they love too. All right, Catherine. So you talked a little bit about, um, you know, your positions and how they kind of changed over the years. But I have to ask, how did you end up in Wisconsin? (laughs) Well, um, at the time in Ohio, and again, I don't know if this is still true or not, but they allowed teachers to retire and rehire. Um, And so it was really hard to find a job in Ohio. I was really lucky in my first position that um, a teacher was going to retire as of like November 1st. And the district I work for hired me in at the beginning of the year. Um, And I got to work alongside that teacher a little bit, do a little bit of subbing and fill in that position. But when um, I was looking to get closer to a bigger city, something I was more used to, it was really hard for me to find something. And um, I had a friend who lived in Wisconsin, so I started looking here. And that's kind of how I ended up in Wisconsin. Funny enough, I actually ended up in a very similar school district from this district I was working in, in Ohio, it was kind of rural, closer to a big city, but um, it was very similar. So I got to see 
like 800 kids in a day, not a day, a week. Um, we actually were so large. I did four Christmas concerts every year at the oh, elementary wow. level. We did a whole day of Christmas concerts, like one at eight thirty, one at nine thirty, one at eleven thirty, one at one thirty. Um, and I got a lot of great experiences there, but it it also didn't fit what I was looking for as far as just kind of having more of that um, urban lifestyle, I guess. How interesting. I love how we all take this winding road and just <laughs> all of our, like when I'm doing these interviews for you know our music teacher journey, we all have such very unique situations. So I love being able to just kind of see how we ended up where we are. Absolutely. And, and all of the jobs that I've had have given me um, something that has kind of led me to where I am. Like, um, even though it was kind of random, I ended up in the in Edgerton, Wisconsin. They were experimenting with iPads early in kind of the technology adoption for schools. And so I kind of got my first taste of what that could look like having technology in the music classroom there with um, just having six iPads to use. And it's kind of led me to where I am now, um, the position that I'm in. We are a one-to-one district for all students, kindergarten through 12th grade. And that has been really something that has kind of sparked um, some new passion in me to, to be able to start to incorporate some of that into my teaching. For sure. So if anyone is interested in learning a little bit more about how Catherine uses her technology in the music classroom, you can check out episode eight of that music podcast, where we talked about um, how she uses technology in the music classroom in a really meaningful way. All right, Catherine, in your time as a music teacher, what have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? I feel like I could write a whole book on this because um, <laughs> I've I've done a lot of things wrong um, and hopefully I've learned uh, better. I think some of the biggest lessons that I learned personally is that no teacher, including myself, is going to be perfect. Um, you, you can't be perfect at everything that we're asked to do, um, but you can be great at, at things that you focus on. And for me... Um, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is engagement matters. Um, it doesn't, for me and the students that I've taught, it doesn't really, kids don't really care what you're teaching them. It's more how you're doing it and those experiences that they're having that makes learning men- memorable for them. And I kind of said that in my own elementary music experience. I don't remember that. Um, so that's probably the biggest lesson. And for me, that's where technology plays in in my current situation is really using that to create engagement and to create um, more buy-in and interest from the students, at least to get started. Um, You know, I really, in my undergraduate program, I really kind of struggled. Um, There were a lot of, I won't say a lot, There were some professors who were concerned um, that my one and only purpose was not music, as sometimes happens in a music department, because you do have to practice and you do have to pass a piano proficiency, despite our our best uh, ability, uh, despite your abilities. But um, I think that what I've learned is to be a music teacher, you really are the teacher of all things. And even though it was hard at the time to hear that feedback, it's really 
it's really been a big asset to me um, to be able to set the purpose of what I wanted to do, to be assertive about it and realize that all those other things that I'm interested in are helpful to my music students. I love that so much. And I think that that's a real problem a lot of schools have. And a part of that is just kind of the music school mentality in the, the first place. But it's so hard as music education majors, we're constantly torn between the education side and the music side. And like, just like you said, there's so much more to being a great music teacher than the music. Clearly, that's really important. But there's, you know, everything that makes us a good teacher or makes us a good person is going to help us in the classroom. And I, th- I think it's a wonderful lesson for you to bring up on this interview. And I'm really like geeking out over it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I think I think just that challenge that I saw is kind of a challenge that I take for my students when you have that kid, because there's always that kid who's like, I don't like music. And uh, being able to, you know, take that challenge and being able to figure out, you know, Maybe this isn't how they're most musical, but I'm going to find a way. I'm going to figure it out. What what part of music interests you? And that, I don't know, I find I find that rewarding in our job too, kind of those, those struggles. That's one thing that honestly, as much as teaching during COVID has been the worst thing, I've really seen a lot of my kids that aren't, you know, necessarily the ones that like to perform or like to be the center of attention. But since we're kind of forced to do more of the, you know, the history and the theory and the, you know, responding to music, they are really shining. And that's something that kind of hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. I'm like, wow, I haven't been serving these kids the best that I could have be. And I think that's important, you know, for me, at least, when I go back to "quote unquote" normal life after COVID in my classroom, I think it's an, I need to make sure that I'm serving these students as well because they've really blossomed this year. And just like you said, they might not be the ones that they might look like they don't enjoy music. They might flat out tell you they hate your class, but maybe that was because I wasn't serving them the way they needed to be served. Absolutely, and I think that's just a big lesson that we have to learn as educators is to just be able to kind of be flexible and figure figure that out. And I think it's a benefit of being a music teacher is that we do get to see students over usually a longer period of time. Exactly. It's one of those blessings and a curse. We have so many students, but we get to see them over year, uh, you know, years. I mean, for, for one thing, again, you know, in the time of COVID, we're allowed to, we're, we're afforded a little bit of flexibility because, you know, for instance, we, we I didn't have any in school instruction from March 13th to the end of the year last year, but I'm the teacher of them. I'm their teacher this year. So I was able to kind of adapt my instruction to be aware of this. That's, that is one thing that I think is um, again, can be a blessing and a curse as a music teacher. Yeah. So just through our conversation, I can tell that you are going to have a wonderful answer for this. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> but oh, <great>. <laughs> In <laughs> your time as a music teacher, what have you really learned about how music education fits into the h- holistic education of the whole child? I, I don't know how more people are not coming to music educators because I feel like we do that every day. Like we are the experts of this, um, being able to get, you know, content learned, but also being able to foster critical thinking in students, um, to be able to find ways for students to show their own creativity, to be able to emphasize, um, being empathetic towards others and see things, hear things through other people's um, 
opinions or through their eyes and really just being able to find the joy in learning new things. So I feel like all of us should be at the front of the staff meetings giving those um, giving those PD talks about educating all students. Exactly. And I, well, there's definitely some people that are malicious out there. I, I, I honestly don't think mo- the majority of teachers, especially those that, you know, don't think we do exactly what we do. They don't think that we're less than them be- uh, because we only teach music, quote unquote. I don't think they understand what we do. And I think that part of that comes down on us. We need to make sure they know what we do. You know, if we're putting on a concert and we're showing something and we learn something a certain way, tell them about it because it can be really easy to walk by the classroom and to just see, oh, they're having fun. Oh, they're playing a game. But I think we both know, um, and I'm hoping most of the all of these are the listeners know that, you know, when we're doing that, we're not just playing a game. We're using concepts. We're doing working on empathy. We're working on team building. We're working on all these things. And we just happen to be doing it through a game. Absolutely. Which in my opinion and and science, I believe, is exactly what at least elementary students should be doing. They are inherently music makers and and learn through um, lots of different experiences, not just through reading and writing. 100%. I will die on that soapbox and I will 100% die on that hill. I will let it be known (laughs) that I 100% for music educators educating students in a very holistic way. Yeah. And I I actually have a funny experience that has happened to me within the last five years. Um, We have like instructional coaches in our building and they must've, they were visiting the specials classrooms. And I make sure that when I'm teaching music, even to my youngest learners that I'm using like appropriate words. So of course we still clap rhythms with like ta and TT, but I'm really careful to make sure that when we're talking about notes, I call it a quarter note because they're just, they just need to know that vocabulary in my opinion. But um, when this instructional coach came in and watched whatever lesson I was doing, her comment to me was, wow, like you teach vocabulary. You are using some of the strategies that they're using in literacy workshop. And I'm like, well, 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 yeah, well, that's my job. Like I have like all this vocabulary I have to teach. And it's like, she, it never even like occurred to her that that was the case. So what advice do you have for those that are either in school becoming music teachers or those that are considering joining us in our wonderful quest of educating students through music? Um, I wish I had the answers um, to how to make this easy or I guess less stressful. Actually, I saw a meme recently that compared like teaching, um, like what we think it's going to be like is kind of like culinary school where you learn the basics and you get a few party tricks. And at the end, you have this like gourmet meal, which is kind of how college makes it seem. Um, But then like in real life, it's like an episode of Chopped, where you get like <laughs> random random ingredients. Um, you have a time limit that you have are working in now. And people are watching along with giving commentary on everything that you're doing. And that's kind of like education in the real world, <laughs> which I loved because I, especially the giving commentary part, because I feel like that is one of the pieces of advice that I would give. And, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying is get used to having people in your classroom and being able to take um, some constructive maybe advice about things that you could be doing better 
because I, I do think sometimes music teachers can be locked in their rooms or you're like down the hallway away from everyone else. So it's nice to get other opinions, but also with that, invite people in so that they can see what you're doing, that you are, you know, working on empathy with students. You are teaching vocabulary as the case may be. You are asking students to show, um, make some like critical thinking choices in the work that you're doing. And I think that that is important um, that yeah. you're part of that. Exactly. Community. I think it's so important for, you know, if we want to be part of the school community, which we should, that should be our goal. We need to make sure that we're also trying to be part of the school community, because like you said, right. it can be so easy for us to get, you know, stuck in our room, you know, we're all the way over in the music room and kind of hang out there and, and stay around there and not interact much with the rest of the staff or, you know, be seen outside of our music classroom. For one thing, for my, one of my goals is I want my students to know that they're not only going to see me in the music room. I don't want to be walking down the academic hallway and them to go, what are you doing here? I just want mm-hmm. them to say hi. I want them to realize, you know, we're all, you know, part of this together. We're all in the school and we're all, you know, I can be seen doing other things that aren't just music. Cause I think it's important for us to show that I'm not just a musician. I'm not just a teacher. I'm also a reader. I also do math and things like that. I think it's important for us to make sure that we're part of that community as well. Absolutely. And, and I think another piece of advice that I would give is just taking time, not only to build those relationships with students so that they see you reading, they see you doing math, they see you out in the building, but taking time with other staff members to build that relationship too, so that when you're asking things of them like, we really need to practice this song again before our concert. Are you willing to give up some extra time to do that? That they can remember all the times that you helped them out. Um, And hopefully you kind of have that um, back and forth relationship that everybody is part of that team together. Um, Because I have worked in situations where that wasn't always the case. Exactly. Um, It's definitely important to make sure that we're part of that team. Yeah. And I guess my last piece would be, and where I've really um, kind of found my stride, I feel like in the last couple of years, is finding your tribe of like-minded people, whether those are music teachers or other teachers, who really push you and make you think critically about what you're doing to be able to continue being a learner learner yourself. I think the most detrimental thing to an educator is getting stuck in um, just following educational trends that change so frequently or having just one thing that you always do and are not being um, reactive to the students or the situation that you're in, like we're all experiencing right now. 100%. So Catherine, where can we find more of you? Well, um, you can come visit anytime. My classroom is open, obviously. Come on down. <laughs> you just have to have a, a, a COVID test and probably give your first child, but it'll be fine. Um, so I am on um, Instagram. If you're looking for me there, I am K, the number eight, T, Music Miller. Or I'm also on Twitter, which is the same, K8, and then the letter T, Miller. And I would love to connect with you because some of my best um, 
uh, or the people I consider in my teacher tribe are people I've never actually met before, but people that I have seen things from on social media. And I can tell that we're like-minded and can bounce ideas off of each other. I love that. And we can also find your blog writings at thatmusicteacher.com. Yes, you can. Awesome. Catherine, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and sharing your music teacher journey with us. I am so excited. I'm so glad that you, again, were the first repeating guest on the podcast, and I couldn't be more excited for it. Absolutely. I am happy to be here anytime and really appreciate all the work you're doing to help us build that community of music educators. Thank you so much, Catherine. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.